Um, if you have your Bibles, let's go together to Amos, book of Amos chapter 1, uh, and we're going to read a few verses here, and uh, I'm not sure I've ever preached out of the book of Amos before, uh, but the, this is where the Lord has us today. So you have your Bibles, Amos chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading together. The Bible says, Amos chapter 6, verse 1, woe to you. Who are at ease in Zion. Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. And trust in Mount Samaria. Notable persons in the chief nation. To whom the house of Israel comes. And he goes and he gives some direction to these individuals. He's saying "There's there's a warning. Woe to you. Meaning... Be careful. Be alert. This is a dangerous place you find yourself in. Where? At ease. Everyone say at ease. ease. This is a dangerous place. He says in verse 2, go over to Kalna and see. And from there, go to Hamath, the great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than your territory? Woe to you who put far off the day of doom, who cause the seed of violence to come near, who lie on beds of ivory, stretch out on your couches, eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idly the song, the sound of string instruments, and invent for yourselves musical instruments like David, who drink wine from bowls and anoint yourselves with the best ointments. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? But are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. He starts off the prophet speaking to the nation of Israel. Woe to you. Be careful. All of those who are at ease in Zion. I have a simple message for you today, it's sim- and it is this. Keep moving. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them that. Say, keep moving. Turn to someone else around you and just tell them, keep moving. There is a simple principle in survival guides and directives. The directive and the the principle is those that keep moving have the best chance for survival. As we all remember the stories and the horror that was on October 7th of this year, we've heard the accounts of different individuals who survived the massacre in Israel. And one in particular jumped out to me. It was a young lady who was at this festival, and they were singing and dancing, doing their thing or whatever. And when the terrorist attack began to happen, she recounts running into a field, and her and her friends stumbled on a ditch where there were people hiding out in the ditch. And she told them, hey, let's keep going, let's keep running, and we're going to get out of here. But the the people were so afraid, they said, no, I think 
They, they said that we think our chances are better here. We're going to hide and we, we won't be found. The girl and her friends that survived, they kept running and running and running until they found a safe place behind the IDF soldiers and they ended up living, but all those people in the ditch were later found all shot and dead. Their survival hinged on one component, keep moving and you may survive. They say, I've never done it, obviously, but they say at the top of Mount Everest, there's something that's called the death zone. At the top of this place is where the majority of the 200 plus climbers that have died, have died in this area. It's toward the top. And they say in this zone, you cannot survive longer than 16 to 20 hours. The most dangerous thing that you can do at this point of the summit, from this point to the summit, is to stop. As a matter of fact, if you stop, the chances of you being able to start again are highly unlikely. To survive, they tell you, you have to keep on moving. Today, my, my message is very simple. For every single one of us, our key to making it to heaven is you can't stop. You got to keep on moving. The psalmist talks about the individual who gets comfortable with life and gets comfortable with sin, gets comfortable with the path of sinners. Psalm 1.1, you undoubtedly, some of you can quote it from memory. The Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Well, what's so interesting about this verse, you've heard me mention it before, is that the decline or the progress or digress, if you will, the, 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 the reverse uh, uh, of moving forward is that the man is stopping. He's, first, he's walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Then he stops, and now he's standing in the counsel or standing in the path of sinners. Then he moves on to sitting in the seat of the scornful. This is the way you miss out on the plan of God in your life. It starts with walking with people you shouldn't be walking with. It starts with walking in a direction that you know is not going to bring you any kind of fulfillment, peace, joy, or anything that God has for your life. That, that's why it's incredibly important how you walk. It's not necessarily as important how you serve in the church, what you do for the kingdom, as it is how you walk with God. Because I've seen people serve and, and serve in the kingdom and do incredible things for the people of God and the kingdom of God, yet they still miss out on what God has for them. They miss out on their purpose and their will, and ultimately they miss out on their salvation. This is why Jesus said, there will be many in that day that come to me. They will say, I, I cast out demons in your name. I did many wonders in your name. Yet, he says, the response will be, I never knew you. We never walked together. I cannot stress enough or enough times the importance of all of us having a relationship with God and learning to walk with God every single day. 
It is not your anointing that's going to save you. It is not the power that's going to save you, but it is your relationship with God that will save you. The relationship with God is what makes the difference. It's not about what you can get out of church. It's not about the friends that you make. Your friends will not save you. You can meet a lot of good people in church, and many of you have, and I, I believe in that. I think it's a, the, the right thing. I believe that church should be family, but this church and the people in it cannot save you. The only one that can save you is Jesus Christ, and so you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What I've seen is too many people have a relationship with their church. They love their church. They love the people in the church. Well, Pastor, you're saying that's wrong. No, no, it's not wrong. Unless you love the church more than you love God. Unless for some of us, the church becomes an idol. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Your friendships can become an idol. Your church can be coming out. This is why people get attached to, to buildings. I thank God that this church spent so long on the road, over 10 years, bouncing around from building to building. Because now as we grow, I don't have to convince you that church has to be done in a building. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. God can fill. God can change. God can resurrect. God can heal. God can do miracles. And he doesn't need a building to do it. Oh, yes. We've seen people get the Holy Ghost in a parking lot. I've seen people cast. I've seen people slain in the spirit in a parking lot. You've seen them filled with the Holy Ghost in a gymnasium, in a school. There is nothing my God cannot do. He's bigger than a building. He's bigger than an address. He's bigger than any box that you can put him into. My God is greater than all those things. We don't worship because of a building. We worship the Savior of the world. I don't walk with God. Hear me. I don't walk with God because of what he's given me. Oh, things are good in your life, so you serve God. Things are good in your life, so I guess I ought to go to church because I, I kind of owe God something. Friend, if that drives you, then one day you're going to miss out because things might be going good today, but that's not a promise they're always going to be good. You're gonna, as a matter of fact, the promise is the opposite. Jesus said you will have tribulations. In this world, you will suffer tribulation, trials, pain, suffering, death. These things will happen. That's a promise. So if you're only serving God because, well, I've been blessed, so I, I ought to give it back to him. And, well, when things start going wrong, you're going to say, God, where were you? God, how did you let this happen to me? But our faith goes deeper than what God has given us. God's been so good to me. If he never blesses me again, if he takes, just like Job said, hear me. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. What does this mean? It means I will, I will bless the Lord at all times. Whether I'm in a good situation or a bad situation, whether I am healthy or whether I'm sick, whether I'm living or I am dying, whether I'm up or whether I'm down, I will bless him at all times. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Someone needs to reach out and say, I believe that. I'm going to bless the Lord today. Praise God. 
When David said those words in Psalm, I think it was about 31, somewhere in there. When he said, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. He wasn't going through a good season. No, no, he was being chased by Saul. He was running for his life. He, he was doing everything that he could to just survive. You ever been there before? Just trying to survive. Just, just trying to make it to the next day. Just trying to put one foot in front of the other. And David's word, the words that came out of his mouth, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. In other words, he was struggling with the temptation the temptation of giving up, the temptation of throwing in the towel, the temptation of just becoming at ease in Zion. Well, what's it worth? Why, why are we fighting so hard? And the words that came out were, oh, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. We do not serve God because of what he's given us. We don't serve God because of the blessings. The blessings come because we are in right fellowship with God. But that is not the reason we wake up and praise the Lord. It's not the reason we show up on Sunday. The reason we show up every Sunday, every Thursday, and we serve is because we love him. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. I don't serve him because of I can get something out of it or somehow I'm going to be blessed. No, no, no. I serve him because he loved me enough. He loved me enough to die for me. He loved me enough to go to Calvary. He loved me enough to make a way where there wasn't a way. He loved me enough that while I was still a sinner, dead in my sins, the trespasses of my sins, he died for me. He didn't wait till I got it all together. He didn't wait till I was, well, now I look like a Christian. Now I look like a Pentecostal. That's how we treat some people sometimes, right? Well, well, you know, once you really start dressing like one of us, you know, God's not like that. I said, God's not like that. He looks at you right where you are. And he loved you, even when you were in sin, even when we were all messed up, even when we were making bad decisions, even when we were so lost, we couldn't, we couldn't know which way to go. We didn't even know where to go, less how to get there. You know what I'm talking about? That's when God loved us. That's when God, and by the way, there is nobody in any place at any time that is too far for my God. It doesn't matter where you are. God can reach you. God knows your name. He knows where you are come from. He knows your family. He knows everything that you've done. I'm telling you, nothing is too hard for my God. We serve him, not because of the blessings. We serve him because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. This, this is the reason when things go wrong, we can keep on moving forward. And there is a danger. Let me keep moving here. Let me keep moving forward. There's a danger when we end up walking with folks we shouldn't be walking with, standing with people we shouldn't be standing with. Eventually, you're going to be sitting. And the whole point of it is that it wants to get you to stop, wants to get you to freeze, wants you to be so afraid that it's not a fight or flight syndrome. It would be better if you fight or run, but the worst thing that you can do is freeze. The worst thing you can do is not do anything. And this happens in life. There, I almost feel like there needs to be a little more fight and less flight. 
but I can understand. Uh, I can understand where that comes from. But one thing we cannot afford to do in this walk with God is to freeze and not do anything and to get comfortable with where we are living. Why? Because if you do not keep moving, you will not make it. And the writer, the prophet, tells them. He says, consider those. Consider those that have come before you. Consider those who have fallen. He lists three different cities. See, the Kelna and Gath and Hamath. He says, are you greater than these individuals? Is your territory greater than these? Why is he bringing them up? He's, he's bringing them up and he's posing them because he's saying these were greater countries. These were greater cities. They were greater nations. They had more territory, yet they still fell. Yet they still were conquered. Yet they still did not survive. Their culture was ripped from them. They were subjugated into slavery. And so what the prophet is saying, hey, if you're not more than them and you're not bigger than them, what makes you think you will survive? What we have to realize is this. Every single person faces the same challenges in this life. I mean, so many people that think that somehow, and, and it's a human condition, we like to think we are the only ones that have ever suffered. Well, that somehow, we're the only ones that have ever been through the fire. But when you look around, there are, and you can look around today, there are testimonies of people that have been through the worst of the worst, that have seen the evil of humanity like never before, yet somehow they made it out. Yet somehow they made up in their mind, uh, I am not going to stay here. I'm going to keep on moving. The difference between somebody, hear me today, somebody that gets out of their mess, then the difference between the person that stays in their mess is that one, one of them made up their mind. I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay in this situation. Though he slay me, Job said, yet will I trust him. I'm not going to stay in this mess. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to keep on moving forward. But wait a minute. I've been scarred. I've been hurt. I've been offended. I've been molested. I've been tried. I've been pressed. How can I move forward? One step at a time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't understand. You don't understand the pain. You don't understand the suffering. You don't understand what I've been through. How can I keep on moving? Though he slay me, Job said. Yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, I'm never going to give up. Though he slay me, I'm going to keep on. If I have breath, if I have a, a mind to make a decision, friend, you can't, you can't control what happened to you. You, you can't go back. We, we can't go back and rewind the clock and fix it and make this better. We can't control all of that. There's no possible way for us to do that. But what you can control is right here, right now. You can make up your mind. Will that evil dominate you? Will that evil control you? Will that molestation define who you are? Will that pain and that, that wound define you the rest of your life? Or will you make up your mind? That's what I've been through, but that's not who I am. That's what I suffered through, but that is not my identity. 
My identity is found in Christ. And whatever I have to do, I've got to keep on moving. If you stay there, you're going to die. If you stay there, you're not going to make it out. If you stay there, you will not make it to heaven. But if you make up your mind, I'm going to keep on moving. If you make up your mind, I'm just going to keep on pressing forward. If you make up your mind, I'm not getting at ease in Zion, but I'm going to keep moving in God. I'm going to keep putting one step in front of the other. At all times, I will bless the Lord. At all seasons, I will bless the Lord. At all, at all pain, I'm going to bless the Lord. When you make up your mind to do that, then there's hope. I said, then there is hope. Then your destiny is assured because you are making up your mind. I'm not staying here. Everybody goes through the valley. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The most powerful word in that is not death and it's not valley. It's through. Yea, though I walk through the valley. I'm not staying in that valley. I'm not camping out there. I'm not, I'm not setting up my tent there. I, I'm not living there. That's not the place God designed you to live. Some of you have been camped out in that valley for too long. It's a valley of the shadow of death. You're, you're in a valley of depression. You're in a valley of anxiety. You might go through anxiety, but that's not where you're going to stay. You will go through it. You might battle through depression, but God did not design you to live there. You might be battling through health problems in your body, but friend, you are going to come out on the other side. There is hope for you. That light is not just a light, but it's hope and it's future and it's destiny. You're not staying there. You're coming out. Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples, and he said, come on, we're going to the other side. And while they were on the way, a storm arose. But the most important thing that mattered, even in the storm, is what? Jesus said, we're going to the other side. When you get in the boat with Jesus, you can be guaranteed of one thing. You're gonna, you might go through storms. You might battle in your health. You might battle in your mind. You might battle in your marriage. There might be things that happen that are outside of your control. But if you stay with him, you will make it. You're going to get through it. I'm here to prophesy to somebody, you're going to come out of it. You're not going to battle the rest of your life. You're not going to battle in your mind the rest of your days, but there is going to come a time of deliverance. There's going to be a season of refreshing, and God, God, God is going to break the chains off of your mind, off of your heart. If you believe that, I want you to stand to your feet, lift your hands, and say, God, I believe. I'm not staying here. Lift your voice, everybody in the house. Oh, just begin to worship God. Let faith rise in the building today. We're not going to stay. We're going to keep on moving. Come on, a little bit longer. Lift your voice. Lift your praise. Hey. You're not staying in that mess. Your marriage isn't always going to be in the mess. But there's hope for you. You're coming out of it. You're going to come out on the other side. You're going to be stronger, wiser. In the name of Jesus. Oh, praise God.
Go ahead and be seated today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. You know what that means? You're not experiencing anything that someone else hasn't experienced. No temptation has overtaken you except such that is common to man. In other words, uh, there's someone that's made it through it that tells me, hey, if they did it, I can do it. Hey, if they made it out, if God was there for them, he's going to be there for me. If he was faithful to them, and what does he say next? God is faithful. If he was, if he was faithful, then he is faithful. If he was a provider, he is a provider. If he was a healer, he is a healer. If he was the counselor, he is the counselor. God, but God is faithful. Who will not allow? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Not only, it's not just that, it's, that it can't happen, but it's he won't allow it to happen. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape. In other words, not only is he going to protect you, but he's going to make sure you got a way out. Oh, I'm telling someone right now, not only is his hand on you, but he's going to protect your mind. He's going to protect your heart. That what you're going through, he's got, he's got it all in control. It might feel like chaos. I felt that so many times. It's just like everything's falling apart. But I come back to this scripture. It tells me, first of all, you're not the first one to go through it. Other people have been there before. But not only that, God will not allow it to get too bad. God's hand is on your life. Whatever happens, you say, oh, is God really in control? You, gotta believe. you either believe he is or he isn't, friend. And I just believe everything is in the palm of his hand. Whatever happens to me, if it's my time to go, then it's my time to go. My life is in his hands. I don't fear the one that can destroy the body. I fear the one that can destroy the body and the soul in hell. So my life is in God's hands. Come what may. You say, well, I just lost my job. My life's in God's hands. I just lost that contract. It was thousands of dollars. My life's in God's hands. You can stress out about it. You can worry about it, but you can't control it. If God's in it, he's going to take care of you. If God's in it, you can lean on the fact that he will not allow. Everyone say allow. That's a powerful word. That means he's in control. That means ultimately he's there. He's, he's, he's keeping this thing all from running off the rails, you know. Sometimes it's easy to, to see or to think somehow that, there's, that he's not in control. I know we, we see things going on in the world. We think, man, Lord, what's going on? I know you've asked that question because I've asked the question. God, are you, you know, it's like, are you sure? What's happening around here? What's going on? 
Why? And you want to ask that question, why? And I don't think there's anything wrong, by the way, with you asking the question, why, of God. I said that, I think, last week or the week before. I don't believe those questions are too big for God. I think you can ask God whatever you want to ask him. If you come in faith and you really need to know and you go to God in prayer, when you go to God in prayer asking for wisdom, he's not going to turn you away. He's not going to get mad at you, not going to get angry with you. Might not give you an answer you want, you know. Hello? He might not give you the answer you want to hear. It might not suffice you. He, he might not respond to you at all because <laughs> he doesn't have to respond to us. It's like Job's friends, they, you know, going through the litany of, 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 of what it could be, and God just responds, well, wait a minute, where were you when I formed the foundation of the earth? You're, you're coming into my court. Okay, Job, come on, step up here and step into the court. Where were you when I measured out the stars? Where were you when I hung them in the sky and told the earth to stay in its place? Where were you? In other words, if you, if you know better, tell me this. How was this world framed? What was God telling Job? Hey, buddy, I'm in control. I know what's going on. And the, the challenge is whenever we get to this place as we run up against the spirit, it's the same spirit, by the way, that Lucifer had when he just wanted to share in the glory. I, I just want to share in this responsibility, in this power, in this influence. And, but that's the very thing that caught him. That's the very thing that ensnared the, the, the devil. It was this pride which says, I will ascend. In other words, that, that I can know. I can be enough. I can control it. I would do it better. Oh, the arrogance. But you and I, we fall prey to this sometimes, don't we? God, are you sure? I think I would have designed it a little bit different. You know? I think I would have you know, made some changes where people don't hate each other. <laughs> I would have made some changes, and we, we think we could figure it out better. And I, I've, I've talked to atheists that, that have made statements like this. And, well, I, we, could have made, we could have gotten together and made a much better world than the one that's created right now. You know? The arrogance. See, you either believe in yourself or you're going to believe in God. This is why the one God message is so powerful. There's only one God. He sits on the throne. In other words, you and I do not have the ability to counsel with God. In other words, give him our advice or what we think. He's all power. Everyone say all power. All power power has been given to him in heaven and earth. This is Jesus Christ speaking. He said, all power has been given to me. In other words, we, not, not some power. Well, I, I just feel something to say, and I'm getting a little bit ornery right now. Because sometimes people think that the devil has some power. I know we just came out of the Halloween season, and some of us really get worried during that season. Oh, it's getting quiet. I'll say it, though. I've met, because I've met some Christians and some Pentecostals even. I've met some people that are getting a little bit weary about Halloween. Oh, don't say too much, you know. They drive up, and they see a black cat run across. Oh, oh. You know it. You know you do. I've met people that they, they would never really want to vocalize it, but they, they, they think that somehow the devil has power over it. The only power the devil has is what you give to him. The Bible says all power. Jesus has all power. In other words, when you align yourself with Jesus, the devil has none. None. He doesn't have power to make you sick. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble right now, but you know, 
But I've been talking to people like, oh, as soon as, you know, this season, people started getting headaches and people started, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. The devil doesn't have any power over you. You want, you know, okay, okay. You want to know why I know the devil doesn't have any power over you? Because we're still here right now. If the devil had power over you to destroy you, to hurt you, to violate, to kill you, friend, you would be dead. The only example you have in scripture is this man, Job. And the Bible says in order for the devil to do anything to Job, you know what he had to do? He had to go to God first. And it didn't even stop there because what God allowed him to do was to touch everything around him, but you can't touch his body. Then the second thing, he comes back to him and says, well, you, you just have a hedge around him. He says, okay, fine. You can touch his body, but you can't kill him. Oh. That tells me the devil has no power. The devil can't do anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything in the world, but I guarantee you this. Hear me right now. The devil, the devil's afraid of you. You better be, oh, you, you, you got to know, the devil's afraid of you. Why? Because you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're baptized in Jesus' name. You have the power of Almighty God living inside of you. You have the anointing. You have the power of God. We don't give any place, any place. Paul said, give no place to the devil. What he's talking about, he's giving place in your life, uh, uh, authority to stand on. I take it even further. I don't give him a place in my heart, my life for sure, but nowhere in my life. He can't have a place in my marriage. He can't have a place in my parenting. He can't have any place in, my, in the church, in my friends, in my circle. No, no, nothing belongs to him. Not walking in fear. I'm going to walk in faith. Why? Because God has given us authority and dominion. And if you do not have that, if you don't have that, if you are genuinely afraid and worried and stressed and oh, well, you know what you need? You need the Holy Ghost. I said you need the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of almighty God living inside of you. That means wherever you go, you have authority. Wherever you go, you have dominion. Wherever you go, the demons tremble. Wherever you go, those, those spirits, they begin to leave. It's the reason, hear me right now. Let's do something. I got a few minutes left. Just hang on with me. But it's the reason why people in your circles get so stirred up sometimes. You got to understand a lot of that's the spirit of God that's inside of you. You have to be aware of that. When you go to work, you just work sometimes with, with horrible people. That, that's normal, you know. There's just some mean people and some people that aren't, you know, that's normal. But then there's other people that they really get stirred up. By what? By the Spirit of God that is inside of you. Did you know that? It's the example of Pharaoh. I know I'm bouncing around in the Bible here today, but you follow me, okay? The Bible says there was times where Pharaoh hardened his own heart. But then there's other times where the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You know how that happens? There are just some people that will hate you just because of the God that's in you. As soon as you walk into the rooms, oh, that Christian. And immediately those spirits 
Now, some of you might not believe this, but I'm going to teach you a little bit. Those spirits that are inside of those people are influencing those people. They know. They know that inside of you and the message that you have comes deliverance. Deliverance from the bondage that they are under. So it's not so much that they hate you. it's, It's there, but it's the spirits that are driving them. They hate you because the God that's inside of you. Jesus said, they're going to hate you because they hate me. You will be persecuted, the Bible says, for my sake. For my sake. That's Jesus speaking. In other words, those demons. And and by the way, we see this in the Bible. When Jesus walks through the Gadarenes, he walks all over Galilee, all these demons start to pop up, you know. You ever notice in your Bible, I've said this before, you ever notice in your Bible that we don't really see demon possession, demonic possession, and demonic exorcisms and all that stuff, uh, demons leaving until Jesus comes to the earth. You notice that? But when Jesus starts walking through Galilee, oh, it's like you just see him. Everyone's got a demon. You know what I mean? Why is that? Because when Jesus came to earth, he was bringing the kingdom of God to earth. He was bringing all of heaven to establish his I wish I had time to teach through all of this. I don't, but you need to understand it today because some of you have been living in fear of the enemy and the devil and demons and witches and warlocks and all that nonsense. That stuff does not have power over you. And this is the reason. When Jesus came to earth, he came to introduce the kingdom of God to earth. And everywhere he went, there were miracles Signs and wonders. Why? Because it accompanies the kingdom of God. And it's the reason why, hear me, he, tell, he told his disciples and he tells us to pray. When you pray, say these words. Pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. When you pray that prayer, Hear me, when you pray the kingdom of God come, you are taking back the territory that the enemy thinks it has. But it has no power over the people of God, the plan of God, and hear me, the kingdom of God. That's why when you and I walk into a room, you're not walking in by yourself. You're not walking in your own power. You're not walking in your authority, but you are walking in the very kingdom of God. You are bringing light where there is darkness. You've got to understand what's inside of you. There is power inside of you. There's no need to be afraid of witches and demons and spirits and none of that nonsense because God has given us power and he said greater is he that's inside of you than he that is in the world. Everything in the world is subject to the name and the power of Jesus Christ. It's subject. It's under but now hear me. No, what are, you, what are you saying, preacher? Are you saying that there's no power in the world? I didn't say that. What I said is that it's less than, it's subjected to the power that's inside of us. He said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
Oh, no, there's power in the world, but that power is subject to Jesus. Because what did John, what did Jesus say? You must, in order to be upon the sheepfold, you got to come in at the door. But what did he say after that? Anyone that comes in any other way is a thief and a robber. But here's the thing. You can come in another way. I don't have enough time to teach you all this right now. Listen, you can get in another way. Into what? Into the supernatural. Into the spiritual. And we are living in a world right now that is so enamored by spiritual things. They, 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 they witches and, 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 and all this witchcraft. and it's, it's just like they're drawn to it. And there's people in positions of power. They're drawn to that sort of thing. But all that stuff, it's counterfeit. They didn't come in at the door. They didn't come in the right way. They're thieves and robbers, the Bible says. So what is that? This is, this is the way Satan has always operated. He's always tried to come in and assert the rules and come in the opposite direction. But when you come in at the door, you are stamped. You are sealed with the name of God. It's the real deal. It's the truth of God. And there is no power greater than that power. It's also the reason, by the way. Now, I was not planning on talking about this today, but I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. But it's the reason why when you go back to Pharaoh, go back to Moses and Pharaoh, what happens with Pharaoh? The Bible says that the Egyptian magicians took their staffs and threw them on the ground. They turned to snakes. But the Bible says that Moses' rod, when he cast it on the ground and it turned to the snake, even though they could replicate the same type of thing, Moses' rod his snake ate up the other snakes. Why? Because they were subject to the one spirit, the one name, the one power. Friend, you do not have to be afraid of the devil or any spirits or any demons. You have power over all, all, all those things. All the power God has given to us. Greater is he that's inside of us than he that's in the world. Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Praise God. I gave it back to my nose because I was way off there for a second. I was way off, but I was on. Praise God. What does it look like to be at ease in Zion? What does it look like to get comfortable in the reality of our lives? He says, he goes on, he says a number of things. He talks about going back to the book of Amos. He says they, they, they are comfortable with their songs. They lie in the beds of ivy. They stretch out their couches. They eat, they eat lambs. They eat calves from the midst of the stalls. In other words, they don't go out and fight and hunt. No, they just take what's there, and they, they're just living idly by. And what does it look like? It, the, the, the prophet is saying this. When you get comfortable, it's dangerous. When you get comfortable with your life and with your walk with God, it's dangerous. God has called us to keep striving. God has called us to keep on moving. God has called us to keep on reaching, to keep on pushing. We, we, do, not, we do not want to be a church that gets comfortable in Zion, that gets at ease in Zion. We don't want to be a people that's just living, just getting by and just doing the bare necessity, the bare minimum, just living for God and, hey, we're doing what it says and we're just kind of going along to get along. No, friend, you got to keep on pushing. God's got greater things. Turn to your neighbor and tell them greater things. 
God's got a greater hope for you. God's got a destiny for you. God's got something for you, for you to do. God's got ministry for you. But I am worried. And I preached for a little while today, and I want to say this, and I'll be done. I got a lot more to say, but I'll say this, and I'm going to be done. I am worried about our church. I'm worried about our church. I am worried that after the years of toiling, working, fighting, surviving, some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been there for it. A lot of you are new. You, you, you kind of come along, and we're happy that you're here. But some of you have been in this thing for a long time. You would show up early and set up chairs. You'd stay late and take them down. You'd, you'd come on Saturdays. You'd be broke up into teams. You'd, you'd do what, what needed to be done. You did it with joy in your heart and your spirit. But, but now we're here, and now it's comfortable. And there's a temptation that we can become at ease in Zion. And I'm worried. I'm worried because if we're too comfortable we're too satisfied, if we're, we're comfortable with our couch and, our, and the food and the things that we have, and then we're going to stop. Then we're going we're gonna to slow down. We could get distracted. We, we could lose our way. And I'm worried as a people, I am worried that we will miss out on what God has for us. God did not intend the church to be idle. God intended the church to be constantly moving forward. As Paul said, I press toward the mark. And, and, if, and just in case it's confusing to you, I'm not talking to a church, I'm talking to you. So in case you begin to think, well, he's talking to someone else. No, 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 no. I'm talking to you. Someone say, he's talking to me. I'm talking to every person here today. Because it doesn't matter whether you've been in the church for 30 years or you just showed up today and this is your first time. God's telling you the same thing. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep moving. You, you can't become idle. And, and I feel in my spirit right now, there are, there are those of you, you, you used to be in ministry, you used to serve. Maybe it was at another church or another time and another season. But you've been through some struggle in life pain and heartache. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe there was a mistake in your marriage. Maybe there was a mistake in your personal conviction. Maybe there was something that went wrong and for whatever reason you kind of put it in neutral and downshifted and slowed down. You're considering pulling off to the side of the road and just kind of chilling out for a little bit. Can I tell you, it's a dangerous place to be. I said it's dangerous. You got to keep on moving. The devil would like nothing more for you to say, you know what, just, I'm just going to take a few months off. I'm just going to, you know, just kind of relax a little bit. We've been, I've been working so hard, and I, I've been doing so much. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to slow down. But can I tell you, you can slow down, but don't stop. you got to keep moving. If the devil can get you to silence, I've seen it so many times. I've seen ministers, preachers of the gospel just get burnt out and they think, oh, I just need a break. I just need to check out. And so they check out for a little bit and you turn around and it's been five, ten years down the road. And they went down and checked out. They're gone, <laughs> you know. 
And I've seen it happen with people in church. They, they'll slow down and, oh, it's super busy and, oh, life, you know, I got kids and work and, and all this stuff and I got this and that. There's always going to be something vying for your time. So I'm just going to kind of slow down, preacher, and I'm just going to take some time to be with family and do, but before you know it, if you slow down too much, you're in that death zone, you know. If you sit down, you might not get back up. That ever happened to you before? It's like you're working all day long. You got a little bit left to do, but then you go and sit down on your couch. It's like, oh, oh, I sat down. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't sit down. Just keep on working. Because you laugh because you know what I'm talking about. And it happens. Not just in the natural, it happens in the spiritual. And some of you have been sitting down for way too long. You say, oh, a life church. No, no, I can just see it in the spirit. Some of you have been sitting down for way too long. Some of you, you're still working. You're still sitting down. You know what that looks like? (laughs) Some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're doing the bare minimum. You're kind of mailing it in. You're not really giving it everything. You're not really, your heart's not there. You're working, but you're sitting down. You're not really trying. I'm here to tell you, you got to keep on moving. It's the same principle in your walk with God. Keep seeking for God. Yeah, but I'm not living right. That's okay. Just keep coming to church. It's okay. But I I just feel like I don't have my life together. That's okay. You don't have to have your life together. You just got to keep on one step in front of another. Yeah, but my marriage, my marriage is just kind of a mess, and he, he, he's doing this, and she's, it's just, it's a mess. That's okay. You just got to keep moving forward. Keep talking. Don't stop talking. The problem, uh, this is kind of a side note, but the problem in a marriage always happens when the, the talking stops. I've seen marriages go through the toughest of seasons. If you can keep communicating, keep talking, you will hope, there was hope for your survival. But once the talking stops, that's it. There's no more trying. There's no more pushing. There's no more, let's make this work. Nope, there's none of that. It's, it's done now. And that's where it breaks down. That's where things stop. You got to keep moving forward. And I feel in my spirit today, this is the message for Life Church. And it's a message for some of you that are here today. God is telling you, you have a ministry, you have a calling there's something that he wants for you. There's a purpose and a destiny on your life. You've been sitting too long. You've taken a break, and you justified it. You were hurt. I was hurt. I worked hard. I, I, I served this church for years. Pastor, you weren't here, Pastor. You know, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. You weren't here. We had to roll out mats, you know. We were in a gymnasium, I, all these excuses. Yet you look around, well, I'm getting in trouble today, I already know. I can already see the emails coming in. Some of you but here's the thing, some of you did work hard and you're tired. But I look around, I still see people working. No matter what time I come to church, I feel like Chris Lede's always here before me. No matter when. Every time. So I got to get to church early today. I show up. He's already here. He's already got the sound system set up. Like, what in the world? It's like, 
I will know I'm a success when I can beat him to the church. <laughs> Praise God. But I use him as an example because it, all through the years, he's still, in other words, other people have gone through the same thing. Yet they're not sitting down. You got to be careful when you sit down. And the reason I'm saying this is because I see genuinely a danger in the spirit and in our lives when you stop. You are pray for the enemy. You are pray for the devil. You are pray to miss out on the will of God for your life. Fight if you have to. Run if you have to. But you can't stop. You can't stop. Whatever you do, we got to keep on moving. We got to keep striving. Striving for what? For the spiritual things. We got to keep pushing for it. We got to still have prayer. We got to show up to pray. We got to show up to hear God's voice. Well, it doesn't matter how tired, how weak. No, God, I, I got to hear from you today. How many prayer meetings and services have you gone to where you're just wore out? You're tired, but you show up. Why? Because you know I just got to keep moving. I'm telling you today, don't stop moving. Keep going. You're going to make it. God's with us. He will not allow that temptation to overwhelm you. He will not allow it to destroy you. You will make it out. Let's all stand today. The music's going to come in Jesus' name. Feel the Holy Ghost. I have a lot more to say today. But I'm already over my time. I do my best to keep us on time. I respect you. I respect your schedule. But let me just say this in closing today. Book of Hebrews, chapter 12, talks about the shaking of the last days. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it was. Some have just said it's Paul. It might be Paul. It could be Apollos. We don't know. But he's quoting here from the prophet Haggai. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27, the Bible says, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. As of the things that are made. That the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And this, this phrase, what he's, he's giving, he's giving a, the writer is giving a commentary to the prophet Haggai. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, he says, For the, thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth the sea and dry land, and I will also, I will shake all nations. I will shake all nations. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us, he's saying, this shaking that's going to happen, this, this jolt, this trying, this testing, is going to see what is remained. And just like the chaff that blows away from the wheat, the grains of wheat, what remains is eternal. What remains will make it into heaven. What remains is lasting. And the question that we should always ask ourselves with God is what will be left 
when God shakes the earth. In other words, what's going to be left of us? If God shakes us, what eternal things have we been investing in? What things in us are going to last after this world? What are we, what have we been a part of that's going to last into eternity? At that shaking and what's going to be shaken loose? What's going to be lost? And when all those things that are not going into eternity are shaken away from you, what will be left? What will be left? What will truly matter? All the hours you spend on television, media, is that what's going to be left? Or is it going to be something deeper to you? Something of more value? The time that you spend with your friends and your loved ones, the investment you make in your marriage, what are you spending time on that's actually going to matter? What are you investing in in your life that's actually going to matter? I want every part of my life, I want my, my life to be spent on eternal values on things that are going to carry into eternity. And as the, as the apostles said, some things will be burnt away, wood, hay, stubble. Because some things in life just don't matter, like our jobs, our education, wood, hay, and stubble. But the things that are valuable will be as gold tried in fire. What am I saying? I'm saying there's some things in your life that matter more than others. And right now, your relationship with God, you knowing God, that matters more than anything else. If you're not right with God today, meaning if you know your relationship with God is not where it needs to be, get right today. I said get right today. Don't wait another week, another month, maybe next time, maybe Christmas I'll come back. No, no, no. Get right today. Get right today. Because there is coming a day. There is coming a day. The prophet said, you got to pay attention to that day of doom. In other words, everyone that's appointed to us wants to die. It will happen. You can ignore it, push it to the back of your mind, try to act like it's not there, fill up your time with fun stuff. Get on your phone and act like nothing's going to happen, but it's going to happen. The only way out is him. The only future and only life, it's him. The only way that we can have hope is in Jesus Christ. Father, in your name today, God, we pray that your spirit would speak to every person in this place. God, every person that's not right with you, that there would be a a conviction that would fall. God, that you would push us to make sure that everything in our lives is pleasing to you. God, that you would lead and touch and move. God, I pray your spirit today would encourage your people. God, I pray that you bring us to a place where we would make a decision to change our heart, our mind, our spirit. Lord, we lean on you today. We trust in you today. If you're in this house today, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray. If you know you need to get your life right, if you know there's something in your life that's not 
where it should be. Maybe it's been a while since you prayed. I'm going to ask the ministry to come, prayer team to come. And if you are here today and you need God, to, you need prayer, I'm going to invite you to the altar today. I'm going to ask you to come and stand down here at the front. Allow our team to pray with you. If you want prayer today, there, is a, there are people here that believe. There are people here that will help you pray today. And if you know you need to touch God, you need to have that relationship with God, don't let a day go by. Don't let another day go by without getting right with him. In Jesus' name. Would you come today? Why don't you invite the person that's standing next to you? Invite them to come and pray at the altar today. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need you today. Lord, we pray your spirit would quicken us. Let there be a spirit of encouragement in the house today, God. Lord, I pray that we would make up our minds not to be stagnant, not to be too comfortable in Zion. God, but that we would keep on moving, that we would keep on striving, that we would keep on pressing, that we would keep on seeking, that we would keep on knocking. God, that we would continue to press toward you, to press towards your word, to press towards your will today. That's it. Once you come down, once you find someone to pray with, if you're still out in the audience, why don't you reach over and pray with the person next to you right now? Why don't you connect with that person right now? Oh, pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. In the name of Jesus. Father, we need you today. God, we need your spirit to speak to us today. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm not going to slow down. I'm going to press through it. I'm going to keep reaching. I'm going to keep seeking. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for you. God's got a destiny for you. Why don't you come find someone to pray with today? Why don't you find someone to pray with right now? Why don't you connect with someone right now? Oh, God. God, I'm going to keep moving. Because Jesus will see you through. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. He'll make you new. Is our God, He cares about us. Come on, help me say, wait. Wait on the Lord. Come on, someone needs to wait on him today. Wait on.